this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace recently launched the latest version of their platform, Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and an incredible feature called Cover Pages. Try the new Squarespace with a free trial at squarespace.com and enter offer code RIOT at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 136. We're recording on Thursday, December 10th, 2015. I'm Rebecca Shinsky here with Jeff O'Neill, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Well, we've been waiting for data about our great Gray versus Ghost of the Watchmen wager. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not looking good for the heroes here. Oh, Um, the heroes. You're going that far. Yeah, that far. Um, Well, it's just, it's only, I mean, it's not really going far. It's just accurate. Um, (laughs) So I'm not willing to paint your side as the hero side. You know know what? That's what all villains say. You pull your little red wagon. Uh, I'll sit over here in my rightness. I guess Amazon released their list of the 10 bestsellers of 2015. I guess so far, I mean, this is one of those, like, there's a lot of December to go, though probably the die has been cast for for most of this. Um, and in, in classic Amazon fashion, they don't actually give us numbers, but the three um, biggest sellers of the year so far in this order have been uh, Paul Hawkins' Girl on the Train, um, then Grey, then Go Set a Watchman. Uh, then The uh, Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, David Baldacci's Memory of Man, Lee Child's Make Me. Is that the name of that book? I can't tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Grisham's The Rogue Lawyer, The Girl in the Spiderwebs by David Langerhans, um, Eric Larson's Dead Wake, and um, uh, Silent Scream by Marsons. I can't read her first. Annie? Angela? Angela Marsons. So interesting. I mean, the, the thing we don't know is how close it is uh, between Gray and Ghost at a Watchman. Um, we don't know... This is all me um, holding out. This is grasping at straws, verbal grasping at straws. I don't know if you can tell what's happening. This is Amazon, and we don't know how close it is, but also, you know, they are X percent of the book market, not the book market entire. Mm-hmm. Um, does, does it, did you notice that they broke it down by Kindle? or They they didn't hear. Um, I talked to someone who has a BookScan account this ah. morning. So I, have, oh, some, I okay. have some more information here. BookScan only includes print sales. Yes. And doesn't include Amazon, Amazon. at all. So um, so print book sales, not including Amazon, Ghost at a Watchman sold 1.5 million and Gray sold 1.3 million. So mm. Ghost at a Watchman won in print on from book sellers scan. that aren't Amazon. Yeah. But we know from earlier, at least from earlier reports, that Gray had outsold Ghost at a Watchman in digital. So unless that gap is well, really... Well, it's 200,000 copies. I mean, I guess yeah. it's... That's with, I mean, that's more than 10% of sales. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
I don't. I like that you told me that book scan number. It makes me feel better. I still don't like my. Ch- I mean, if I had to, yeah. if I had to wager a hundred dollars right now, I'd say Gray still comes up on. on I think top. you should start baking my cookies. Is that what the wager was? It is now. I don't think that's how bets work. Where you I'll set the, the stakes after you know you've won the bet. I don't. I'll I think that's a. I don't think bookies donuts? take that. I would ask for bourbon, but well, Virginia's yeah, I mean, weird, and or, you can't or, ship bourbon into the state. Or as Ron Swanson says, the rarest jewel of all—a victory over me. Um, well, that is, I do enjoy it. I, I know. But I, there's donuts no, are just No cookie as sweet as that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the rest of the list, um, any thoughts about the rest of the list? I'm not surprised by the first three, especially since the girl on the train has been <clears throat> steamrolling. Um, oh. the, the, sorry, I just had a little something oh, in my Jeff. throat there. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the, the titles for the year. I mean, I guess that's the real surprise. Um, if you would have told me at January 1 that, there was a new Fifty Shades of Grey title and a Harper Lee new book. Mm-hmm. And I had that against a debut novel uh, that actually I DNF'd 50 pages into. <laughs> I, I would be shocked. And I think that's the that's the big takeaway. The other one, I mean, The Nightingale with Kristen uh, Hanna has sold a... Talk about... That's the real dark horse because no one's really talking about it. I only right, knew it's to like expect a sleeper this. hit. I only know to expect this because I look for deals of the day for the Book Ride Deal newsletter. And... You know, one of the things the algorithm does is suggest books to you that are popular. And it has like 20,000 mm-hmm. Amazon reviews, and it's not an Amazon title. So you throw that out. Then it's, it's just been an enormous hit um, this year. And then you get, you get a run of, I guess you just call them crime novels, right? Uh, or mm-hmm. law novels, The Child, Baldacci, Girl in the Spider's Suspense, Web. thriller. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. You get one nonfiction title. Um, the Eric Larson, and then Silent Scream, which is actually a book I know nothing about. Do you know anything about that book? I don't know anything about it either. Um, I'm, I guess if I'm surprised about anything, it's that the girl in the spider's web wasn't higher up the list. Then like um, jumping Grisham and Baldacci. Yeah, and that. but it came out well, it came in, in October, the, right? Yeah, it came out yeah. relatively late in the year, point. so it hasn't had a, a, as long of a soaking time uh, to accumulate sales. Also, it's really difficult to compete with Harper Lee or E.L. James. And The Girl on the Train was one of the first books published in 2015. So it's had all year to, as you said, build up steam mm-hmm. and accumulate high sales data. But I'd be interested in seeing like what the girl on the train does in its first 12 months against what the girl in the spider's web yeah. does in its first 12 months as a, you know, sort of a set measure mm-hmm. further down the line. Right. I guess you could also say, I mean, girl on the train came out in the spring, right? It was like January or it maybe... was like January or February. So, it was one of the early 2015 titles. So it had six months over both gray and go set a watchman though. I've also heard, um, this was in the story about sales at independent, you know, sort of Publishers Weekly doing a check-in with independent bookstores. They were saying Go on the Train was still selling, and Gray and Ghost of the Watchmen have sort of fallen off a cliff. So whatever that means. They're also yeah, moving think, a ton of coloring books. That's the other well, thing I took away from that. Yeah, Girl on the Train has that word of mouth yep. power, and it probably will continue to. It's not even out in paperback yet. When that happens, it's going to continue to roll. But Gray was the big like surprise announcement of we're doing this, and it's coming mm-hmm. out in a month. And I think most everyone who wanted to read that bought it really quickly. And no um, word of mouth on it. I mean, from, yeah. even from where we sit, like just and nothing. You you don't really have to build word of mouth on it. Anybody who wants to read E.L. James has already heard of E.L. James. Well, but I think um, even converting people that read that liked Fifty Shades of Grey, I think even them are waiting to hear, mm. isn't he good? From, and 
Apparently it's not. And the same, I think, can be said for Ghost at a Watchman. Yeah, yeah. I think the people who didn't care if it was good or not, who just were going to read yeah. the thing no matter what, because they were big Fifty Shades of Grey fans, they bought it immediately. Or like me, that I was curious, I bought it immediately. Ditto for Ghost at a Watchman. Um, we didn't really hear anything about Ghost at a Watchman much after the publication mm-hmm. date, I would say, because it turns out that the book isn't very good and there's not much to talk about. Well, um, I think there's a lot to talk about. I don't think it's something that you're necessarily going to recommend to the person sitting next to you at the airport. I mean, you, you yeah, might find I mean, it interesting, but you're like, oh, my God, you have to read this. Like, no one is really saying that about There's a lot to talk about, like, if you're us. <laughs> well, I mean, I even think if you've read To Kill a Mockingbird at all, like, even if you're not us, if you've read To Kill a Mockingbird, I think there's things to talk about. But I don't think you're just going to be, like, randomly saying, God, it's such sure. a great book on its own. Yeah. And I think when we sort of um, outlined the, the original parameters of why we thought what was going to win – both of us sort of acknowledge if either of the, we didn't we didn't know anything about the actual quality of the text. If either of them were good, that would win. But sight mm-hmm. unseen, we didn't know, and it turns out neither of them right. were were real great. Because um, that would have really, I mean, I think one of them could have run away from the other. If you know, if good if Ghost of the Watchman comes out and it's like super interesting and a real page turner and there's a lot there. Um, as it is, I think we've said it's more of an antiquity or curiosity mm-hmm. or a companion, but it's not. You know, I wouldn't recommend it myself to someone like, I'm looking for a good book to read. Give me something. I'm not like, go set a while. I'm just not doing that. Yeah, I was frankly surprised that it ended up on our contributors' end of year list, yeah. which well, by the time you're listening to this, will be out. We'll be out. What's the URL for that? Just so people uh, know. It'll, it's um, bookriot.com slash best of 2015. Yeah, and we got a fancy new plugin, so you should go check that out. We won't spoil anything. But that did make the list. A little surprise there. I, I, I've gone back and forth. I mean, a lot, kind of, we're going to talk about the Goodreads Choice Award winners, too. Um, Ghost of the Watchman won the literary fiction category. And I think it's just one of those things, like, if you have enough people read it, tastes vary. And so you're going to have a, a big segment of people that liked it, you know, that thought it was interesting. They liked going back um, to Monroeville and seeing Scout and Atticus and all those things put together, though, you know, it wouldn't make my list, but I can kind of understand, you know, you have that many eyeballs. Sure. Um, you know, tastes are variable. Yeah, this uh, this isn't the way that I wanted to win this wager, but I will take my W. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm not ready to concede. Not ready quite yet. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, if yeah, you're ready, I, I know. It doesn't. It, it's maybe bottom of the ninth, and I might have two strikes on me, but I still, I think I have a swing at the, a swing at the plate still. Um, so Silent Scream, the number 10, is the first book in British author Angela Marson's Detective Inspector Kim Stone series. So oh. good for you, man. Like your yeah, first book awesome. in a series. I don't maybe um maybe uh, Angela Marson's already has a big audience. I know nothing about really serial, you know, like crime series like this, especially British ones. Um I guess this must have word of mouth or a huge built-in audience. Um good for the So I guess the cr- man crime. God leaves. I mean, they just sells books. Sells it books, does. crime and law stuff. Page turners. Um, we've got one, two, three, four women and all white people, um, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of as we make that, you continue to make that drumbeat of something we care about looking at, like look at those eyes. Um, no real surprises. I, well, that's not well, fair. Well, the Marsons is a surprise. That's a... Well, I mean, I, I don't know enough about it to be surprised. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Whereas a girl in the train, like I follow Riverhead Books and I kind of know what kind of book it is. And um, that's a bit of a surprise. I guess Kristen Hanna is a surprise only if you didn't know anything about it beforehand. Yeah, I think the Marsons is a surprise 
because for something to be in the top 10 best-selling books of the year that like, at least for me, like I, we get paid to think yeah, about Yeah, that we and, haven't heard of till right this second. Right, that, yeah, that, right. That we haven't heard of a book until it shows up on Amazon's top 10 best-selling mm-hmm. titles of the year is interesting. And how does that happen? Yeah. Um, maybe we're just not paying close enough attention, but it is always makes my ears perk up anytime something is doing super well that like somehow probably through fault of our own. Yeah. Well, also for you and I, like British crime serial fiction, I mean, that's not where we live and not something the site covers a lot, um, to be honest. So that it would fall through the... Now, if it was a big literary fiction title, like from, you know, Knopf that we hadn't heard of, that's something else. Anything you're surprised not to see here? Oh, you know, not really. Not really. There's... I wish that the uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates had showed up in the top 10. Yeah. Um, I know it, it was selling really well, but it's hard to touch numbers like what The Girl on the Train has done. Also, that's a big serious book. It's mm-hmm. hard to hit people with a big thinky book and get that into the top 10. You know, like your homeboy, David McCullough, is also not here. Oh, yeah. Um, that one I wouldn't have been surprised to see um, here. Maybe after the holidays it would be. That's a good dad book mm-hmm. for the holidays. Um you know, just, I I was you know I thought we might see Aziz Ansari's modern romance because I've seen so much talk about it when it was Dilla sure, Day and sold a bunch. It's made a bunch of year end lists. Yeah. You know, Fates Maybe and Furies. Maybe some Mindy Yeah, Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff has gotten a lot of buzz. Well, there's Fates no Fates and Furies is about to sell out huge. I think. Oh, we didn't talk President about President Obama on, just yeah. said it was his favorite novel of the year. Yeah, we didn't have that on the agenda, but he did say that was his favorite novel of the year. But you know, that's literary fiction, like. Um, the Nightingale by Kristen Hannah's historical, f- you know, those lines mm-hmm. are so blurry. Like of literary fiction, there's one title here. Yeah, it's interesting. And it, it, and it took an extraordinary situation, I think, for it to um, to appear there. Yeah, I, I wasn't really surprised about anything else. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have a new installment in, you know, in a Divergent or, you know, there's no YA here. Right. There's no there's John Green here. Story. I thought it was interesting. I'll be interested to see the end of the year breakdowns by genre. It, it felt to me like YA was down this year, not because... YA is fading or anything just because the, there's been huge hits for like year after year after year. Yeah, this is a regression to the YA mean. Yes, year, I, think. I, I think so. Or at least the new normal of heightened normal, right. but it's not, we don't have a real spike here. Um, so anyway, I have Girl in the, Sp- in the Spider Webs on my nightstand from the library right now. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. Oh, um, nice. So, so I am deep we've... in holiday comfort reads. Right? I've been doing Agatha Christie, I've been doing co- graphic novels, I got. So anyway, that's what we've been. What's next? What's next on our agenda? What's next is since we've been talking about Ghost at a Watchman, here's an interesting, mm-hmm. and I say interesting because I'm trying not to yes. issue judgment too quickly. Right. <laughs> story. Um, but does anyone ever say you... I'm trying not to pass judgment when it's going to be positive? No well, one ever says rep- I'm trying not to pass positive when they're super excited about <laughs> my something. My reputation for general ungenerous interpretations <laughs> precedes me, I think. So I'm I'm hedging a little bit here. Uh, this story's a couple weeks old, so I don't even know if any of these are. Are still available. But as of November 30th, HarperCollins was selling 500 signed collector's editions of Ghost at a Watchman. They are leather bound with gold foil stamping. They come inside a velvet lined cloth box. And do you know for how much HarperCollins was selling these 500 Yeah, I saw, I, I saw this. Because it was on the agenda, then we had the best of show, Ugh, and blah, blah, blah. It's $1,500 per copy. Well, as, so, okay, so that's a big number, but I think it's a pretty good, well... <laughs> Oh, actually, you know what? I think it's a good deal either way. So the immediate skepticism is, did, uh, did, did what's her name? What's, God, what's her name? Oh, Angela uh, something. Yeah, Angela something. Uh, Carter? Harper Lee's Tanya lawyer. Tanya Carter, whatever. Tanya Carter. Tanya I always Carter. want to call her Angela. Right, it's yeah, Tanya, Tanya Carter. Yeah, Tanya Carter. You know, the, the, the snide, unwell, 
ungenerous as maybe even the joke being was generous Tanya to Carter sign, sign them. them. Yeah, the, the, that they're signed Tanya Carter, but then then that means Harper Lee. So either you get Har- an autographed, legitimate Harper Lee signature in a limited edition, or you get the biggest literary fraud of our lifetime. That's both of those things are worth fifteen hundred dollars. Maybe I mean they they point out here that prices on eBay for signed Harper Lee books range from a thousand dollars for an anniversary edition of To Kill a Mockingbird to fifteen thousand dollars for a signed inscribed first edition of To Kill a Mockingbird. So I mean that's those are valuable, but fifteen hundred dollars for a signed copy of Ghostetto Watchmen. That's like it kind of assu- well it assumes that this is going to be worth something. Oh, it's going to be worth something. I, if I had fifteen hundred dollars and this is the kind of thing I did, I think it, it's, you're going to see your money back on that. That's my sense. You know, we we did, we did that most valuable twentieth century novels thing a couple weeks ago. I don't think we either of us mentioned To Kill a Mockingbird as something we expected to oh, see on the yeah. list because it wasn't on there. It wasn't on there. Um, I think it just sold so many that there's a this, lot of To Kill a Mockingbird it, first editions out. there. Yeah, this sits. I don't know, it's, it's weird with me because usually like booksellers don't charge extra for signed copies. If you walk into like if you walk into Powell's or if I go to the fountain downtown here in Richmond and I get a signed copy of a book, it's just a signed copy well, and I don't have to pay extra for it. I mean, it. you're right, you know, like, but that... A special sign- edition, but like $1,500, like yes, Harper Lee is rare, but this... Here's my ungenerous interpretation is Harper Collins didn't sell as many copies of this book as they were expecting to because word got out that it wasn't very good and this is an easy way to make that. Do you up. think that? I think I think if it's a huge seller this price is $3,000. Well, maybe. I mean, I go the other way. Like they're look that's $750,000 for 500 books for for Harper Collins. Well, true. I guess they have to split it with the bookstores. Um, actually, I, that's one thing I'd like to know. What's their rev split? Because you know, what's the margin, uh, the markup on a hardcover is well, mm-hmm. let, markup. That's incorrect. The sticker, pr- the bookstore usually pays between forty and fifty percent of the cover price for a book. Um, I'm I'm guessing they're not getting seven hundred and fifty bucks per copy, yeah, but I could it, be wrong about that. And it actually doesn't even say if they're available in bookstores or if you just have to order like through HarperCollins. There's, oh, in I this, thought they were available in some bookstores. I'm in, sorry. I'm, I'm in I, this. Yeah, in this piece, there's no link to where it's available, so I'll have to do some digging and figure oh, that out. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I maybe I saw someone speculate, and I took that to be the case. I, I'm. I'm surprised that they did this. I've never heard of this for a modern book like this. I mean, um, I'm not surprised at the price. In fact, like, if if you had told me if I hadn't seen the price and you asked me to guess, I would have said two, three thousand bucks. Like, why go set a Watchman and not get her to sign? Some, why, why not reprint special editions of To Kill a Mockingbird that she signs or do them as a set? I think, and this is the other point I was going to make because this is a tacit seal of approval from Harper Lee. That's what they're going for with this. That I she will sat- believe. That she signed them when I see video. <laughs> I don't know, you know, boy. If if this is all a, if this is all a, a huge sort of faint and this is all bogus, they are really doubling down on it. Um, I just part of me just like I can't believe that they'd have someone else sign Harper Lee's name. Like I just I can't I can't believe it. Like somehow I could believe that Harper Lee was you know, not in a position to give a go-ahead to the book and the estate said, give a go-ahead. That I could believe. And that they're sort of covering up. I just can't believe that they're like, they had someone else write her name or she wrote her name and she didn't know what she was signing. I guess these are all possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I lean more that direction. Like we've had so many questions raised about how much Harper Lee really knows about what has been going on. I think there is some reasonable doubt 
about her participation. So I don't think that Tanya Carter sat and signed them herself. It does make for a neat joke, but yeah. does Harper Lee really get it? I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I, the whole thing just, it feels squicky. It felt squicky all year long. I want this story to be over. I think this is something that actually more, po- we've talked about this way, you know, we were at a conference one time, we were sort of talking about, you know, there, there should be more stuff like this for authors and titles people care about. Like if there was a $200 limited edition Toni Morrison that came in like, you know, the Shroud of Turin, you and I would buy it. Yeah, Yeah, we'd have. I mean, we'd have that. And so, you know, you don't have to sell that many for it to be suddenly to be an out of scale. um, You know, there's just off the top of my head, Morrison would be one people would buy, you know, Gaiman, Stephen King, forget about the Galbraiths and the Rowling stuff. I mean, that's a no brainer, Um, you know, to create a premium product. That maybe is even available a week before or two weeks before the on sale date of everything else. Like I think you could make a lot of money and people oh, yeah. would be happy to pay it. Like it wouldn't I don't think people would feel like they're getting squeezed. Yeah, no, if there's gonna be another Gilead book from Marilyn Robinson, oh, yeah. or like I a, would give dollars in advance for a like a signed quartet of hard yeah. copy I'm Gilead there. whatever with a slip case and a lock of Marilyn Robinson's hair. Yeah. I get I guess the thing is is for the authors that sell that many books, is it really worth it to them to sit there and sign I mean they're gonna make do they do they see Two hundred dollars of the cover price for this? Like, is there there's a royalty agreement in covers? I, I don't know. I don't. Well, know. but by that argument, then why have Harper Lee do this? Well, I mean, you know why. <laughs> let's move on to something I like. Yeah. Let's How move about on. that? We shout this out every year, and I want to shout it out again because it's such a phenomenal resource, and it takes so much work. Um, our friend David Gutowski, who runs the books and music blog Large Hearted Boy, and has for years and years. Uh, collects every year beginning like in October because Christmas creep is real mm-hmm. um, begins collecting all of the online year-end best of lists um, from all over the internet about the best books and we'll put the link in the show notes it has hundreds of links like already. 700 plus I saw the first the first best of list I saw drop was publisher weekly on um, Halloween mm, yeah. so the, and then Dave started um on November second, is this? Uh, you know, one we should drop. We should drop David note to give us a URL we can say out loud. I mean, it's a long. It's like blog.archive, You know, it's this huge mm-hmm. thing. Um, or if you just Google "large hearted boy best of 2015," you're going to find it because a lot of people link to it. It's got a lot of SEO juice. But it is a. It is a. You're sitting around looking for stuff to read, or you just want to see what people. Um, you know, I mean, it's got individual blogs, like every. Mm-hmm every publication you've really heard of that's done a book best of book list yeah it's incredible if you go to blog.largeheartedboy.com and you just scroll through a couple of the most recent posts whatever day you're on he updates this every day and then does a post of what the updates are so you'll see a post that says like online best of 2015 book lists update with the date you can click to see the master list or you can just see which ones have been added that day it's like you will lose you know hours of your life to building your tbr but this is a really excellent way to do it. And, and also he, he gives a link, but also in parentheses, a short description of the list. So it, it's not just like our best books of the year, though. Some of them are that. Some of like be, the creepiest books of 2015, the best romances, the best... Favorite dog theme Yeah, books. best sports books for youth. Like there's some specific stuff. So um, you can, you can, you can, bra- you can decide what to browse. I think see every list by drilling down, you know, business book awards. That's one I looked at because most influential business books, because I'm a flack in the gray final suit, taking the um, 715, 715 train from Austin next to Don Draper these days. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's all kinds of stuff. 
uh, ours isn't up there yet because ours isn't coming out, but it's coming out super soon tomorrow, I think. Yeah, it's coming out tomorrow. So by the time and I'll just go ahead and plug it. Yeah. I was going to plug this later in the show, but I'll do it now. By the time that you're listening to this show, it will be live. Um, so you can go to bookriot.com slash best of 2015. You'll see our top 24 favorite books of the year. Um, what we did this year, because we there are so damn many of us now mm-hmm. at Book Riot, we used to have everybody pick their favorite book of the year. Um, but what would happen is after like the first 20 people got in and it was first come for serve people would start going into like their second or third or fourth picks you know there's always some overlap and we ended up with these big beautiful eclectic lists but it also was just huge and kind and of sort of not representative in a way because it's like it was yeah. more equitable than representative of our favorite yeah. books if that makes sense it does so um this year i created a survey that we sent to all the book riot contributors everybody got to list up to five of their favorite new books of the year and then i just tallied the votes and looked at which ones got the most votes and then who voted for those and we assigned out one contributor who had voted for each book got to blurb it. Um, Those were basically randomly selected. Um, So I think 67 of our contributors participated in the vote. 169 different titles got mentioned. Mm. And this is the top 24. Um, We've done something really cool with it where you can sort the page again, which is bookriot.com slash best of 2015 by the genre that you're looking for. And it'll just pop up the books that are in that genre or category. And then each time you click on the cover, you'll get a pop up that gives you a short blurb about why we loved the book and who blurbed it. Um, it's I am really proud of this list. It is as beautiful and eclectic as our year in lists have always been. And mm-hmm. it was just organically that way. We didn't monkey with the results at all. This is just what happened um, for our top 24. Our contributors do such an incredible job of reading all over uh, the world of books uh, across genres and formats and topics. And uh, this is this is the, exactly the kind of thing that I wanted to end up with. So I'm super proud of it and thankful for our contributors and all the work they do all year long to help us make the site. But if you're looking for 24 books to keep you going or kick off your reading year in 2016, you are bound to, you know, see some expected titles on this list and also to probably find something that you hadn't thought of before. Two of my three made it. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. All five of mine made it. You got your finger on the pulse. It's almost like you if, work for this. I mean, it's almost like... If, I mean, if you if you weren't busy reading 47-hour audiobooks about me, I know. I also, don't, I also didn't do... A, I didn't do a lot of front lists this year, um, to be <laughs> honest, in my Busman's MBA year. Um, let, we'll talk about our picks later. Let's, let's let yeah. the list come out maybe next week. Also, for you guys out there listening... Um, I'll drop a link in the show notes. We're doing our annual poll of uh, Book Riot readers' best books of the year, favorite books of the year. So you can participate in that. Or if we could do a, we could do a super secret poll, you could just email us at podcast at bookriot.com. Tell us your f- three favorite books of the year that you've read, and we'll talk about them on the air in the week or two once we get some. You know, I won't, I won't do a spreadsheet or anything, which means I totally will. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to know what you guys out there have read and liked, and, or, or something that shocked you that you didn't like. Um, yeah, that, I, I'm interested too in maybe what you are surprised isn't on the book riot yep. list. Yep, 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 yep. Because um, that's one thing: the more the more respondents you get, the the longer the tale of interesting books you're you're going to have. Um, I'm just looking at our list. If there's yeah, it's a it's a really nice list. Um, it's really pretty. I'm I'm so excited. I got to give a shout to our developer Alex also, who yeah. does all the behind the scenes stuff, and he did so much tweaking and endured so much of my nitpicking about how things should look. Yeah. <laughs> um, and really helped us make this awesome. Okay, so Oprah. Let's move on to Oprah. Oprah. Big news. I mean, t- in 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 tales of book influencers past and present, really. 
um, though Oprah's influence in the book world isn't what it once was, mostly of her own choosing because she doesn't do the book club mm-hmm. picks like she did. She signed a deal with Flatiron Books to publish her memoir, The Life You Want, which is expected to come out in January of 2017. All right. Um, part of the deal, she's launching her own book imprint. Which, I really cannot believe this doesn't already I, If exist. you would have told me, I was like, of course she already – I mean, I hadn't heard of it, but I would just sort of assume that she did. Um, the untitled publishing brand will focus on nonfiction titles. Boy, if it's called anything but Oprah Books, I would – I mean, she has a magazine called Oprah if it's still running out there. But maybe maybe she won't. Um, it's a combination of Oprah's life story and the lessons we can all draw from it in our personal growth. We're also thrilled to give a home to Oprah's imprint titles. So that's going to be a big book of the early 2017. I'm interested yep. to see what she's going to I'm interested write. In, in that, too. Yeah, she does a nice I – mean, her story is certainly inspiring, and she knows some things about mm. business and how to get stuff done. So I'm interested in that. The January 2017 date, a January pub date for a memoir signals there's going to be, you know, maybe a self-helpy, yep. self-improvement element to it. Those are big in January. Mm-hmm. That's not surprising from Oprah at all, and I'm here for that. Yep. I'm looking forward to I mean, that, that might be a title on our early list for 2017 bestsellers already. You've got to sort of uh, oh, yeah. chalk that one up there as a possibility. Hard to imagine a, a more potentially popular memoir than an Oprah mm-hmm. guide to success. So that's going to happen. I can't think of one off the top of my head. No. Yeah. You, I've got a good segue. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you, you, you only gloat after. Let me, that's how this works. You gloat after. So one of the authors that Oprah helped break was Wally Lamb with She's Come oh, Undone. Oh, yes. That's right. I remember the, and, that cover. and Yeah. I remember reading that before I was really old enough to grasp it and being like a little traumatized, but also really happy mm-hmm. about how that went. Um, Wally Lamb, huge, huge, huge name. Bestseller. He has teamed up with a company called MetaBook, and his next novel is going to be released through MetaBook exclusively in digital, um, basically as like a fancy enhanced digital reading experience, but it won't be available in print at all. Hmm. Um, The book is called I'll Take You There. It centers on a film professor who runs a Monday night film club in an old theater that turns out to be haunted by the ghost of a trailblazing actress, producer and director from the silent film era. I like it. I like the blurb. I have to say, I like like the blurb. Yeah, I like that sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. I want to read about running a film club in a haunted yes. theater. And uh, it's this is just an interesting move because Wally Lamb is a huge mm. name. Um, if he were putting something out that was going to be in print and digital from one of the big five, we would expect it to show up on bestsellers lists immediately. This is a really interesting risk for him to take because especially when you're when some of your core audience is the Oprah crowd is the book club crowd that yep. often prefers to read and print specifically in paperback he's potentially sacrificing a lot of sales in order to conduct this experiment um so that i think makes it worth talking about yeah it says um there's going to be there's narrative and music film clips video notes from lamb there's going to be a bunch of different stuff like the from what i can tell it kind of feels like you know a blu-ray with a bunch of extras kind of onto it mm-hmm. i it's not clear to me how important the the enhanced ebook experience will be to actually like getting through the story like do you need to watch this little video to like understand what's happening or is it here's an animated scene of this thing, or here's what it looks like from the outside, you know, like that kind of, do you know what I'm getting at there? Yeah, a little yeah, bit? yeah. Um, whether it's going to be extras or integral, I guess, is, uh, is, is, is interesting. The other yeah. thing, I mean, not only is it just an app, it's only going to be through iTunes. Like, and, it's, uh, and so... 
And it's not like get the enhanced ebook through your digital bookseller no. of choice. Like it's just an app. You have to download a special app just to read. The book is the app. I, I, the app is the book. I was not too surprised that it was gonna, not going to be an Amazon and Barnes and Noble just because like what Kindle and Nook allows you to do in terms of the technology right. just is not as robust as we can do on a smartphone on a smartphone or like a tablet you know tablet computer platform I was surprised that's only going to be in iTunes cuz like yeah that they're not going to put Apple it on the Android really store is a, I mean they make the most money but they're 15% of the handset yeah. market I mean they make the most money but like it's just they're you just whittling down and narrowing down I don't think this is going to work man I mean it might be an interesting experience but this is not going to work I don't think it's going to work either. Um, this falls under like, I understand why someone is trying yeah. to make this a thing, but it's a thing that a publisher wants to make a thing. It doesn't actually solve a reader problem or meet a reader need. Like we rail about publishers requiring that you read in the publisher's own mm -hmm. proprietary ebook app if you buy their ebooks directly from them. Um, that's one layer of complication, but like this is not the future that I want, where like, if you want to read this book, you have to download this book's app. If you want to read this other book, you have to download this other book's special yeah. app. It doesn't, it's an interesting idea, but it makes me feel a disconnection between the people developing the technology and the people on the receiving end of the story. I'm curious about listeners, though, like, are you into, is Wally Lamb exciting enough to you to make you do this, um, to make you download a special app to read the book. And then I guess the secondary layer is like, my mom loved Wally Lamb. Mm. My mom doesn't even have a smartphone yet. So she can't, but she can't read this book. Like she's automatically knocked out of Wally Lamb's potential I would be readership. curious to know what the terms of the deal are for a couple of reasons. One is these two guys, Lamb and the guy that started Metabook, his name is uh, Simon, um, Kevin Simon. Uh, is that yes, right? Yes, Kevin, Kevin Simon. Oh, Ken, excuse me, Ken Simon. Oh, Ken, yeah. So Lamb has more than fiduciary interest in this. Like he's doing something with a friend and something he's excited by. Um, I'd be interested to know like what the finances of the deal were. Like, is he just getting a huge advance? Like how are they making up for lost sales? Is or Lamb even worried about it? Is there a clause or a rider or some sort of condition at which point Lamb can put out a regular text version of the book in some amount of time after the app is out? You know, there's a lot of ways mm -hmm. you could go about doing this. You know, this could be like the, you know, maybe this is a different way of doing the, the premium version for the super fan thing we were talking about with Ghost of the Watchmen. Like maybe this is something that you make available before the print book is available. You charge a little bit more for it or, you know, you get a better rev share, I guess, because you share... 30% with Apple, but 70% goes to the publisher, which is actually better than you would get from a bookstore or an Amazon, certainly a better percentage of the, the price being paid. So that that might be, as a, as a part of a book's life cycle, it makes sense to me. I think it's still way too early to put all the eggs of the proverbial basket of a title into an Apple-only app. We don't know anything about pricing here. Like you can even tell that it's not ready yet because as these things go in these articles, like so the, the writer is looking for a what could it be like? What are the examples of success for something like this? And their example was an editor at McSweeney's who had a 30,000 downloads off his serialized app. And mm. that is not Wally Lamb territory. That is, those are not Wally Lamb numbers. Like think 10x. Mm -hmm. um, at least. Well, you know, without Oprah, I guess I'm saying like in the book, oh, since yeah, I'm yeah. just sort uh -huh. of guessing, but that would be my expectation. So he'd have to do better than the best example they could find <laughs> here. It's, I agree. I think... 
there's I don't think there's really much demand for the enhanced ebook thing, period. Um, but I think it makes the most sense to do it farther into a book's life cycle. Oh, really? Like yeah, like what Scholastic and iTunes or, or Scholastic and Apple are doing with these enhanced editions of Harry Potter. Like you fall in love with a story and characters and a world, and then there's incentive to get the enhanced version to like, you know, to pay the premium for that so that you can see the animation so you can get the behind the scenes info about how the Hogwarts students got to Hogwarts before the train existed. At least to me, that's where the like, that's when I have incentive mm. is when I've already when I've already decided I care. Um, but I'm not going to pony up for the premium edition of a story that I don't know if I'm into yet. Well, or maybe you maybe both are cases because I'm just thinking like, what if there is enhanced edition of uh of uh, Botten, the fourth in the Gilead yeah. trilogy, oh. right? Huh. Right? I just, just give me a minute. I know, I know. <laughs> we need to take a quick, we have a quick commercial break uh, for us to collect ourselves. Have some Marilyn Robinson um, feelings. But, you know, maybe you could do both or one or the other, like depending. I think if it's an, I think if it's a new book by an author with a built-in base, you could sell some ahead of time. If it's debut or something different from that author, you know, you, you might be, uh, you might be, playing with fire a little bit. But, you know, people want the enhanced ebook thing to happen, but the numbers we're seeing, at least this year, is like we're going the other way. Yeah. Like we're really going more towards signed first edition limited print things for a premium price more than we're going for bells and whistles and gifts and video and audio and soundtrack. I mean, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like that's a thing that we're ready for yet, if if ever. Um I don't know. And I also don't think it's been done well yeah, yet. Yeah. Like we we know what it looks like when somebody does a premium print edition well. Yes. Yeah. We don't know what a really good enhanced ebook looks like because the best example the New York Times could find is something getting 30,000 downloads. And you just don't cherish I mean do you cherish an app? Like you just don't I mean that's one thing I think that's happened in the print ebook thing is like the the that the we invest something in there's sort of an endowment value in a print book. Um, and there is no endowment value in an ebook or an app. Um, and that makes a difference. Some people buy exclusively for endowment, or they want all of their reading experience to have an endowment value. Some people just want part of it. I'm, that's kind of where I fall. There's yeah. some books I do want to have in print, and there's a lot I don't and really need to have in print. But Enhanced seems to me to fit better for nonfiction. Like, we both enjoy Stephen Johnson's nonfiction, sort yeah. of pop science stuff about innovation and invention. And I could imagine enjoying an enhanced ebook of his work that would be like, here is video from when we went to this place where I did. Or like, imagine Mary Roach. Like, if you got to watch video of Mary Roach, like, sticking her hand into the side of that cow. Um, that she yeah. did for gulp that sort of thing would be interesting to me at least as a reader for nonfiction, but for fiction the like the stories we get attached to i think you're right that like that's a more sentimental connection and having something you can hold in your hands and take off your shelf and sniff your books if that's a thing you're into uh, don't send me hate mail about not liking book sniffing please yeah I, um, you know the other thing is too is like <laughs> One of the nice, I mean, no one really talks about this with books, but I, I think it's important to, to talk about. It. Like, there's so many of them in every year, and like, there's such a diversity of books every year, even as we rail for more. But like, in, just in terms of titles and stories, there's just so there's the aggregate number is so much. And the reason for that is that text is cheap to produce. This makes it a lot more expensive. I know app development is very expensive. If they're doing any kind of production of video or audio, it's also going to be even more expensive. And at that point, you're sort of verging on the cost structures and timelines of something that does, you know what a really good enhanced ebook is? It's a short movie mm -hmm. or a documentary. Like, I don't know if there's a, is there a space between a book and, you know, a direct to Netflix movie? 
Yeah, that's interesting. That needs to be filled. And I just, I just don't think there is at this point. And maybe it'll take one example um, to get it going, but it, it also, it, it might not be a thing. Like this is certainly one of those deals where we just don't hear people saying, boy, I wish I had more enhanced eBooks or I, I, I want that. Like this is like a, a solution in search of a problem still at this mm-hmm. point. Can I tell you about a thing that I do want and I'm yes. glad that it exists? Yes. You were very excited. I saw you, I could tell this morning or yesterday morning that you were reading Critical Linking and then tweeted about it because I, 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 if this is where you're going. This is totally where I'm going. Yes. 1,300 Russians, including a, co- well, 1,300 people, including Russian yep. film stars, a cosmonaut, a French actress, a, 1,300 people are doing a live 60-hour marathon reading of War and Peace on the internet. <laughs> Mm. It's being live streamed, mm. and one of them is an astronaut who's reading it from space. Mm-hmm. I don't even really like War and Peace. <laughs> this is maybe the only way that I will ever succeed in reading War and Peace. If you want you listen, you listen yeah, to is it. Is letting for 60 these thirteen hundred people read it to me. This is just a like. I am glad I live in the world while this is a thing that can happen. I, I think you might. There might be a hole in your flaw. Uh, a flaw in your plan to, to do <laughs> War and Peace this way? Do you know what it is? No. Do, what language do you think they're going to be reading War and oh. Peace in? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be English. <laughs> um, it was organized by <laughs> the Russian state broadcasters, um, which is a terrifying kind of phrase these days, but um, it still is still is being read in its entirety, not censored. Uh, organized also, well, participation by, let's see, what does it say here? Um, a great, great, a great, great grandson of the writer will take part of the reading as as, as well, um, and that's Count Tolstoy's former estate at, at Yasna Polyana mm-hmm. is one of the venues. Well, that's cool too, right? Like that's it's at Tolstoy's so, house. This is so cool. I feel dumb for not assuming that it was going to be read in <laughs> Russian, <laughs> but I. Well, you know, <laughs> my excitement conta- it maintains. I'm. This is so cool. Uh, very cool. It's yeah. very cool. This is more, much more appealing to me than like going into one building and listening to people do a marathon reading while we sit there. Like yeah. that, it's happening. It could happen all over the world. It's thirteen hundred people participating. In one of Arctic, them is in London, space. Paris, Kaliningrad, Kamchatka. Like it's all over the world. This so, is amazing. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Even if uh, we can't understand a word they're saying. There is a there's a website and it's. A Russian word, but I'll drop a link in the show notes. It's V-O-I-N-A-I-M-I-R. Voyanamir, something like that. Um, I'm so sorry to anyone who knows anything about Russian. Very cool. You know, Moby Dick, hap- there's a there's a live reading of Moby Dick every year that happens at Housing Works, or around Brooklyn. I'm not sure if it's at Housing Works anymore, but it's various locations in Brooklyn. I'm trying to think of what would I sit... Oh, Christmas Carol Gaiman usually does a, mm-hmm. a reading of the Christmas Carol at the NYPL. Uh, around this time every year, I'm trying to think of what I would like to see perform. I mean, I guess I would like a short book because I just I'm not going to sit right. there for that long. Like maybe Gatsby. Mm. That's a short book you could get through yeah, in a few hours of a live reading would be interesting. Um, you know, maybe uh, Fahrenheit 451. Not a long book. So, mm-hmm. uh, something like that would be pretty interesting to see. So, you know, the the book that is known for being a beast is getting the yes. the mother of all uh, live reads. Those of you who can understand Russian should watch this live stream and enjoy it 
and tell us how awesome it is. Yeah. Uh, no. You mentioned Fahrenheit 451, so I'm going to jump to the bottom. Yeah, there you of go. The nice work. Agenda. Thank you. This is this is just another delightful what a time to be alive story. Um, an internet developer named Tim Bray. He is recommending to the Internet Engineering Task Force, which is a thing that exists and it governs choices about like what the standard internet error codes are you know like mm -hmm. if you go to load a page on the internet and it throws a 404 error it's the internet engineering task force that decided that that's what that is uh he wants to create a status code 451 as a nod to ray bradbury that indicates when access to a website is denied for legal reasons mm. basically censorship if you're in a country where the internet is censored um, and something you're trying to access comes up as unavailable to you for that reason. He wants it to throw status code 451. It sounds like they're developing this code. They're going to develop this notice regardless. Um, but it's Tim Bray's idea that as a nod to Bradbury and his work on censorship, and of course, Fahrenheit 451 being one of the big works of fiction about censorship. Um, that's just a cool that's thing. Very cool. Really good idea. I, the thing I wasn't clear from the article is like, wouldn't the censoring bodies have to get on board with with the notice, like I don't understand, I don't really guess I don't how know it works. How that yeah. works, um, or if something in the internet just controls when you get that access denied page. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's not clear who's pulling the strings here. Um, We're out of our technological depth. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but a very cool idea. At, at the very least, a brilliant um, and. Uh, and subversive idea and a, a cool you know it's cool to see readers and a love for books pop up in other industries and so that that just made me happy i just liked yeah. that this week um so the two i mean we talked about the best-selling books but the two sort of lists that aren't about sales that you know they're these are the big ones the goodreads choice awards and the new york times 100 notable books am i right that those are the two like in American culture now, those are the two big ones. Those are the two big ones. I would dispute that the Goodreads list is not about sales. Oh, but not man, not overtly about sales. Yes. Yeah, yeah. like it's not just tracking like right. um, the biggest sales. It's not sales, just a best-selling we'll list, but yeah, it kind right. of could be. Um, those two lists came out since we, you know, in this sort of intermediate time where we didn't do any news last week. Um, the winners came out. We talked about the Goodreads choice war. We even um, told you earlier in the show that Ghost of the Watchmen won the um, ba, 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 literary fiction, the winner for Mystery and Theory, Girl on the Train, historical fiction, Kristen Hanna. So to your point of lining up nicely with <laughs> sales, the fiction, mystery, thriller, historical fiction all did. Um, other, I, in the history and biography, Eric Larson won. That was also on the best-selling books list. None of the other ones were, so I'm not sure what to make of that. I guess the one would be um, mystery mm -hmm. and crime. Uh, let's see, what one for that? Girl on the Train won mystery thriller. Oh, interesting that they've categorized it there. Well, it is a mystery uh, or and a thriller. Yeah, I guess I just don't put in the same... Do I put it in the same boat as Dean Kuhn or uh, mm -hmm. David Baldacci and John? I guess maybe it is. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, so yeah, so that one there, um, the I guess that was, was it. Yeah. The Nightingale was historical uh, fiction. So the winner, so I'm just trying to put this together on the other books on the list. Yeah. Nothing that, nothing that was eligible to win its category didn't win. Um, on, uh, and only didn't win if the one, something above it in the food chain on the Amazon list won. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so to your point, like we sort of talked about this before, you know, we were, we were talking about this a little bit before, and we talked about this when this list came out sort of on the Book Riot back channels that, you know, Goodreads is, is really, you know, representative of what people read. And if enough people read a thing, and like, and some, there's going to be some group of well, that likes it well enough. Oh, you know, I guess what it is, it's, it's um, gray. Gray yeah. didn't show up here. Right. And gray. it would have been, been in romance, I guess. Yeah. The best romance category. was Confess by Colleen Hoover. Yeah. Um, so that, so that's the notable example. So not, gray couldn't even win the romance category. <laughs> that's how much people didn't like that. Um, so, you know, I, I guess that's what it is. Um, anything notable about the other winners that you want to shout out here? You know, I don't. I don't think so. Um, this list is always, I think, the most interesting list because Goodreads captures a huge user base of people who think of themselves as readers and who yeah. care about books. And that can mean that you read a couple books a year, but you're interested in being a reader and paying attention. Or it can mean that you read several hundred books yep. a year. And so it does, I think these the winners of the awards always sort of end up being the books that everyone read, or if you're a person who reads just a handful of books each year, what was that? What were those few books you picked? Um, go set a watchman, certainly. Like if you read one book this year, if you're a one book a year person, you pick one thing mm-hmm. up. It was probably Go Set a Watchman that yep. you picked up as the thing everybody was talking about. Um, so it made sense to me to see that win. Um, you know, the smaller you're, if you have that small sample size, if you've read one or two books and that was one of them, you're probably going to vote for it if you enjoyed the experience. Um, Gray did come in second in the romance category. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, not a winner. Also, you know, apparently not very good. So not a surprise to see it get beaten. But it's this this Goodreads list is more interesting to me than critics' choice lists because it, it is a reflection of what people actually read and paid attention to, what actual, you know, rank and file normal readers um, read and paid attention to. And the the contrast between this list and the sort of critical acclaim lists is very interesting um, and good for people in the industry to pay attention to and to think about. I think that often the stuff that we think of as like one of the big books of the year might be big because a bunch of critics talked about it mm-hmm. or you saw it on a few websites, but really it sold 15,000 copies right. against, you know, something 200. That, right against a reader's choice, you know, winner that 200,000 people or a million people read. Yeah, I guess I was a little surprised. I mean, I guess not really. Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance won for um, nonfiction. Mm. Um, I thought Between the World and Me would have won. It didn't. One nice thing is they give you the vote tallies. Yeah, Goodreads it's, does. It's cool they tell to you see. How, so you, you can go see both how many votes the winner got and also all the finalists. So, for example, Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance got 19,895 votes. Uh, Coates came in fourth with 14,000 votes. So about 20%. Mm-hmm. But... Aziz Ansari had about 4,000 more votes than the next, the runner-up, Humans of New York Stories. I, I think that's sort of interesting to see. I was just going to look at um, Watchmen to see how how far, you know, did it just blow the next one away? Yeah, pretty see, much. Yeah, Mindy Kaling won Best Humor, but it was yeah. interesting for it to get, to be in humor and not in memoir, or maybe yeah, it was in both. some of that is very difficult. I would find yeah. that a very difficult game to play on good, or not game, but like decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ghost of the Watchmen won with 31,000 votes, the next runner-up was Jojo Moyes after you with 19,000 votes. So like 50% more votes for that girl on the train. I would expect this would have got to the most overall votes. Yeah, it got 106,000 votes. And Stephen King's Finders Keepers was second with 32,000 mm. votes. So it tripled um, tripled it up there. Let's see, historical fiction. I'm just going over some of the ones we've talked about before. Yeah, The Nightingale got 57,000 votes. And the next one on the list was Kate Atkinson's A God in Ruins with 16,000 votes. So more than triple there. 
But, you know, this is also, I think this is a particularly good list to look at genres you don't usually read um, and look at the finalists and the winners. Like if you're looking for something to, to check out, like for example, I was just looking at um, uh, the young adult stuff. Because I, I like some young adult, like I, you know, I'm, I don't follow it closely, but All the Bright Places here won um, by Jennifer Niven, 31,000 votes. But there's, you know, the second place was pretty close. P.S. I, I Still Love You by Jenny Han, but you could see a bunch of different titles there and see what people are reading um, also, you know, a very good um, gift-giving yes. sort of exercise. Like if you know someone likes a particular category, but you don't read it themselves, maybe don't pick the first or second book because they may have already read that, but you could pick the fourth or fifth book, especially if the votes are close, and get a sense that um, you're picking out something they're they're going to like. My Beloved Saga, one for graphic novels and comics. Yes, yes. Volume 4, which came out... I'm really volume four. I just reading volume five. I'm not. It must have come out in the spring. Um, very uh, close of, race between Nimona by Noel Stevenson oh, and Saga. So Nimona, which I also love this year. The science and tech category was interesting and had a couple yeah. of my favorites of the year. Um, the second place book um, was Headstrong: Fifty Two Women Who Changed Science and the World. It's by uh, Rachel Smart, I think. Yeah. Maybe not. Swari? I can't quite see the title. Yeah, I'm clicking on it now. Swabby. S-W-A-B-Y. It's great. I picked this up. Just I had never heard of it. I picked it up off the shelf at Malaprops in um, North Carolina this summer. And it's excellent. There's 52 different chapters. And each one of them is about a woman who made an important contribution to science that ultimately changed the course of science or technology. And it was written uh, in response to uh, the author getting really tired of seeing obituaries for important women where those obituaries led Mm. with that she was a wife and a mother and then oh by the way she did this groundbreaking thing um so the uh, rachel swabby put together let's look at the accomplishments of these women who made important contributions and it's fascinating there were so many things that i had never heard of it's it's great um and come as you are by emily nagoski which uh, is a book riot favorite as well about women's sexuality that was the fifth place winner for the goodreads uh, best science and text and the elon musk biographer yeah i yeah. guess that's interesting elon musk like that's a memoir no it's not it's a biography it's a but biography it's but it's a guy in who's in science and tech. science and tech you know it's it, Again, it could go either way. I mean, like if you look at history and biography, like the Wright brothers could go in science and tech, right? Because I, yeah. I read that and that's a lot to do with the science technology of, of, I don't know, it's very difficult to say. Yeah, I wouldn't want to have to make those calls. No, I, and again, it's not that it's not no. that important necessarily. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. You know, I was, I, was, I was looking at this and we were talking about it before about when a book is released in a year, like it has, you know, if you're released in January, you've got another six months to people buy it and find it versus mm-hmm. later in the year. Like I'd like to go and do sort of the, the Gladwellian outliers thing that he did with hockey players. Like in Canada, the, the cutoff for ages, I guess, for school is in January. Mm. So the you you t- if you're born in January, I guess you're, you know, quote unquote, older than the other kids in your class. So you're more developed, especially in those formative 12, 13, 14 years when you start to play sports seriously and people start going through puberty. And he found that like some crazy percentage of, of great Canadian hockey players were born in January because huh. they get they get on the ice first because they've gone through puberty first. They get more playing time. And that more playing time means that they have more experience, you know, and so on and yeah. so forth. It'd be curious to do sort of a longitudinal study. That's not right. To do a historical longitudinal, you follow one thing over time, um, to sort of go back and look at what are the pub dates for these titles, mm-hmm. for the Goodreads winners? Like, do they skew more towards the first half of the year? Because like, 
Harper Lee's July, or no, yeah, July, mm-hmm. Girl on Trains Early in the Year, Kristen Hannah, that book was out, Trigger Warning by Gaiman came out in February, Aziz Ansari came out, I mean, the ones I know, yeah. Eric Larson came out in the spring, um, and so I wonder if there is some bias, it's not really bias, because it's, it's not prejudice, like a, it's just, it's, a, it's a, an advantage. Yeah, it's an advantage, because you have more time to sell more books, and have more people to read it. So interest that's just another thing mm-hmm. I'm sort of looking at here all of a sudden. Yeah, I guess the ideal would be like some magical way to do the best books on a rolling 12 months. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right. A moving average. That's or, what you want. Yeah, right, like sales normalized for how long the book has been Yeah, that's <laughs> right, yeah. That's that's so that's so funny. <laughs> that's um, serious book stat wonkery right there, but I wish it existed. Yeah, so the New York Times, they did their 100 notable books. It's way too big for us to go through because it's so not really big. in any kind of order um, at all. But it's out. <laughs> you know, it's it, like... It's there. You can look at it. This is the biggest sort of editorial list of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they may have had their best, 10 best. Of, hold on. They've done the best fiction and best nonfiction separate lists as well. And usually those lists come out and then the notable books list has titles that didn't appear on those two. And this year there is overlap. So Um, they they didn't explain it. I just think that's interesting. So they did their 10 best just general on December 3rd. I had that bookmarked. I'm just looking for it. This book is super interesting because it is not the books you're going to hear about. Oh, well, no, that's not true. There are several you haven't heard about and there's several that you have. So, for example... um, one of us, the story of Anders Breivik and the massacre in Norway. So you remember that there was a, a shooter in a Norwegian summer camp a few years ago. Mm. That's about that. The invention of nature about Alexander Humboldt, who was a you know the, the the preeminent scientist of the Napoleonic era. I am all over that book. I have to say, H's for Hawk is there. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Empire of Cotton by Sven Beckert, which is about you know cotton eighteenth century. Um, Coates is between the world and me is there. The fourth book in the Ferrante. This is a book I haven't been seeing pop up on a lot of these lists so far, and I don't know why, because a lot of people have read it. Maybe it's the fourth book, but whatever. Yeah, usually the ends of series, and yeah. that's tougher. So that's on there as well. The Sellout by Paul Betty, which came out earlier. Do you know how to say that? It's like Warren Betty? Beanie I don't know. Betty? Anyway, um, which is a, a, a satire about a young, black style, young black man's desire to segregate his local school and reinstate slavery in his home. Um, very timely. The Outline by Rachel Kusk. Um, it's a eighth novel from a mid-lister or below, really, you know, like, I'm not even sure this is mid-list, um, but it's there, a manual for, a manual for cleaning women by Lucia of Berlin, uh, a book in translation, The Door by Magda Zosbo. Um, it's about a writer's intense relationship with their servant and blah, blah, blah. So there's some real... Those are deep cuts. Deep cuts. That's the word I'm looking for, deep cuts there. So if, but it's... Definitely a more cerebral list than you're going to find in a lot of other places, which is not, it's neither here nor there. It's just what it is. Um, I'm sure Jennifer Weiner would have something to say about this list, but as uh, <laughs> well, she should. But, you know, there are some women, there are a couple people of color, there's some stuff in translation, there's a book of poetry, um, there's history. Oh, no, there isn't a book of poetry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm misremembering that. I was looking at the Goodreads Choice Award winner for poetry a minute ago. So there's that list if you care about that as well. I was going to say, and maybe we should think about it. We can come back and do it like the 10 books to encapsulate 2015 from the book published, you know, from the oh, book yeah. world's point of view. Like, what were the 10 books? Like, if you're going to say you wanted a snapshot of what books and publishing were like in 2015, what books are we talking about? Let's... I don't think there's. 
I don't think that go set a watchman who clearly is there. Yeah, let's do that on our year in review show. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple of no brainers. I think Gray is there, the Coates is there, and go set a watchman is there. After that, I think you can have some debates to mm-hmm. fill out the other side. Yeah, Does that yeah. sound right to you? I think that sounds right. It'll be because um, there's not a big YA story of the year. No, there hasn't been. Um, this was a really big debut year, so I need to think about. Oh, girl on the train! You got to put girl. Well, I'm yeah, sorry. girl on four, the train. Is, so four, but we still have yeah, six slots. So we're doing the segment now. <laughs> well, no, I'm just trying, that those don't even, don't even really warrant discussion. Yeah, like um, you just sort of pick them up. Yeah, I. Maybe City on Fire is a publishing yeah, encapsulated because it was a ginormous advance for a huge, like very long, is what I mean mm-hmm. by huge, literary novel that hasn't gone anywhere except appeared in some book reviews. Boy, I'd like to know what the sales of that book are. If, if your book scan birdie wants to tell us. Oh, I will. T- I'll talk to the book maybe, scan Maybe 2016 birdie. is a year we can finally afford our own book scan account. Someday. 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 Someday we My will ship get will a... come in and I'll carry a, <laughs> My, a login, a pin. It'll carry a bookskin pin. That's all. You'll get will a be ship. My, my prints will come. Yeah. Both of them will come bearing bookskin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a, just here, dreams come true. Here's a here's a login and user password for and then for we will cease to exist because we will have fallen so far down. Yeah, then the show is going to become what sold this. I mean, we have to be careful about that. I mean, maybe it's better that we don't get it. So if you also listeners, if if you do want to write in with your own favorite books of the year, but also what books because we've probably forgotten about the books we've talked about over and over again from this year, mentioned over and over again. Um, that would be one I'd, I'd like to hear mm-hmm. from you, like what books from from where you sit in your particular place in the in the book and publishing world as a reader or whatever it is you consider yourself. I know we have editors and, and other people, bloggers and some writers themselves that, that listen in. Um, I'd like to know if there are books in your particular niche that, that really um, became important to you, but also what you just from observing what we've talked about and what you see in the larger book world go on um i think oh, that purity be purity has to be oh god that's that's not appearing anywhere on these have you noticed that it's on the notable books list well it's certainly notable like i don't even know what that's <laughs> like what does notable mean? i got in discussion on twitter with some people about that not just like what do you think it means it's like notable is such as it's kind of the the lowest unit of mention you could use right to right, put something on a list. it's not the pat on the head that honorable mention is oh i think it's worse than that because uh, honorable mention at least it has some merit behind right, it. Right, like that's you, true. Notable just means like these were things that we think are worth talking about. Or that other people noted. Like we don't even know. Um, Please to, to define your terms, New York Times. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> so anyway, that would be fun. Maybe we'll do that and um, turn That'll into a fun. post or something on the site as well. Boy, we're running long here. What we else do we will. got to do? Well, I think we got to just do the quick, this is the thing that's happening, book banning corner Oh, update. yeah, it's book banning corner, our least There's, favorite corner. The, yeah, this is the saddest corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, a school board member in Marshfield, Wisconsin, fears that a children's book about the Muppets, this is a Muppets book, is too graphic for young children. So she's trying to get the book removed from the kindergarten curriculum. Uh, and the problem, apparently, she objects to the district's use of the book for every child, a better world. World by Jim Henson in kindergarten classes because she contends that it contains images of suffering children living in poverty and violence, including one illustration that shows a child living in a box in the rain, and that this will be traumatizing and is too graphic. Uh, she also goes on to say that um, as part of her objection, the book downplays American exceptional 
nationalism by focusing too much on global affairs. I, I can't even believe they say, <laughs> like this is a piece from The Onion. I know. Doesn't focus like, enough on American if you, exceptionalism. If it's unbelievable. To, if you had to write like the most absurd book banning attempt, you do pretty well to throw in the Muppets and the phrase American exceptionalism. But this is real. <laughs> the unmitigated and obtuse gall of that particular phrase is, I think, the most shocking I'd say the most and shocking episode in our long catalog of, of modern so. book banning. And not for nothing, the notion that there are children living in poverty, the reality that children do live in boxes in the rain and do experience yeah. hunger should be alarming. These things are alarming. I mean, maybe uh, it shows my own personal bias because like, I, I'm picking that over you know, uh, what's that? Three to Tango. Is that the book about the gay penguins? And like that, depending on the issue, like that one, I, I guess that one I at least sort of expect because, you know, I know that's a contentious issue and where I grew up, I am familiar with that. So maybe that's just more familiar why it's less shocking. I don't think it's any less. Well, I mean, I think I that, that falls, it's like, it's a, di- it, that falls in a different place on like the hierarchy of needs. Like this book for every child, a better world by Jim Henson is, it seems to be about the, the necessity of meeting the fundamental needs. Of yeah. Humans. And you Maslow's know, hierarchy food, or whatever that is. Right, yeah. yeah. Food and shelter and clothing and safety. Um, and so the book is about how some people don't have those things and, we want to talk about American exceptionalism. And I, the I can't, instead. I can't like, believe it. I can't I, believe it. Yeah. I also object to people being like, well, a story about gay penguins is dangerous to yeah, the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a different, like, it, it, it takes me a little longer, like a couple seconds longer to get outraged about that. Well, we than just about, have more data points of people than about talking to, to kids about yeah, the reality, right. like the very big reality, not just in America, but globally of, of poverty. It's, this is, I, I just, like, it does. Maybe we should rename this segment to This Is Not The Onion. Yeah, I know. Oh, right. Uh, anyway, so I that's mean, that. That's that. Um, we, we're taking our last sponsor shop for ourselves. This is to know um, if you're shopping for, if you've got book lovers on your list, if you're one of them and want to tell other people you've got ideas, you know, if you're looking for something to give other people idea for you or other people you know, store.bookriot.com, that is our store, has bookish stuff, it has t-shirt, you know, you can get a great Gatsby t-shirt, you can get a Book Riot hoodie, you can get a Read Harder t-shirt, you can get a, 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 a knitting a knitted um, stocking cap that just says books across the title. You can get um, T-shirts that look like library checkout cards, band books, socks, all kinds of stuff you can get there. And what you should know is that you can get – there's free shipping. When does this – when does the free shipping start? Is it available the, now? Well, it's one day. There's one day, free, Oh, one day yeah. free shipping. Yes. yes, one day free shipping on December 17th, which is also the last day to place your yeah. order to get stuff, you know, in order to have it wrapped and under your tree for so Christmas. So that's a week from fr- – that's a week from tomorrow we're recording it's, this on. Okay, so, yes. Right. Um, so on December 17th, the Friday – it's on Friday as you're listening Friday to this. Listening, um, yes. Be ready for that. If you want to be – if you're listening on Sunday or Monday, Monday, as the episode is fresh, we'll be running a 20% off site-wide sale. So whatever you buy will be 20% off. And then there is free shipping, I think, for orders over $60. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that. As Jeff was saying, there are mugs and water bottles and tote bags and socks and notebooks. And you can put together a little bundle of stuff. I think they also make great teacher gifts if you're looking oh, for, yes. um, for a teacher gift that is or not... Or a librarian a, that's important in your yeah, life. Yeah. Um, something that's not like just another gift card to target, um, which those are useful too. Um, but if you want to give something that feels a little bit more personal, so store.bookriot.com, 20% off through Monday, December, that'll be what the 11th, the 14th, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and free shipping will be available on the 17th. The Book Riot hoodie, 
Hard. I mean, it's forty-four dollars uh, regular price. You get it for twenty percent off. That's it's a pretty good so deal. It's so soft. It's that so soft. That is a pretty good deal. Um, let's see. Let's do a couple. This is just news items here at the end that there's not much to say too much about, except AMC is developing a series based on Nosferatu by Joe Hill. None of us will ever sleep no, again. I, there's no way I can watch that. I know people, <laughs> people are excited about that. Very interesting. I'm, I would watch it. I'm just also never going to sleep. I don't know. I don't know if we talked about it before, but Red Mars, the series by Kim Stanley Robinson, apparently is coming to sci-fi. Oh, cool. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. Another news item. Um, every 16-year-old in Sweden is going to be given a translation of We Should All Be Feminists, um, which is – here's an interesting – that is the most popular the, – the, the best-selling – Book Riot deal of the day I've done all year. It just and continues to sell. It's a book that is, it's the book version of a TED talk that Chimamanda, yeah. uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie gave in 2013 and then Knopf bookified it this year. I believe it was this summer. Yeah, it's, um, it's and, like between a short story and a novella in terms of length. Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah it's like 70 pages-ish. Yeah. Right, yep. Um, it's great and... Uh, Everybody's getting one. If you haven't bought it and you're interested, it is one ninety nine from most major ebook retailers. So that's it's a great deal. I mean, that's it's not even a special price. That's just what it's been forever. Mm. But it's listed with Book Riot deals because when I first saw it, I thought it was on sale. But it's been listed there, and it sells a few copies through us every day. Yeah, you know, I feel sad that I didn't think about this book for the listener who requested books about living your best life and feminist oh. kind of, kinds of things for last week's show. Um, yeah. Because it, it is, it's really excellent, and it is very logically argumentative about why feminism and why feminism makes sense for all people and why Super it's feminism and point. not humanism. Um, what that does, like what language does for erasure and visibility. She's, she lives it all right out. Um, it feels like if you have a shot at winning the argument with the guys who show up in your mentions on Twitter going, well, actually, then your shot is with the way that Adichie you know, places her argument. Um, not that I would count on winning those arguments. You should just block those people. But um, Adichie does really, well, really well. I mean, maybe take that one out. But if you have anyone that has ears maybe to listen, yes, I think yeah, this is a very, right. this is a very, a very good place to go. I got a lot of thank yous for the recommendation show. I, of course, you're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to everyone. Oh, and we out love there. doing those. Thank love you doing for those sending shows. Always them to have us. a good time. So I just wanted to mention that real quick. Uh, let's see. I thought I had one more news thing I was going to do. Uh, I guess that's it. We can save. There's some stats about digital library stuff. Well, let's save that for next week. We don't know how much news we're going to have, so we got one we can dig into at least next week. Uh, at least, as always, um, thank you so much for listening to the show. You can contact us, podcast at bookriot.com. I guess we asked for your best favorite books of 2015. If you uh, have feedback about what you think the big books were of 2015, not necessarily best, but like, I don't even think it's buzziest, but like if you were going to encapsulate the world of books and reading of 2015 in a package of of 20 of 10 books and shoot them into space, because I guess that's what you would do with them, um, please let us know at podcast at bookriot.com. You can find show notes for this and other back episodes of the Book Riot podcast at bookriot.com slash podcast, store.bookriot.com, free shipping starting December Seven or no on December seventeenth. On day December seventeenth, one day this weekend, um, you'll probably hear the show and have a day to get on it to get twenty percent off at the store. Um, that's as well. Our own book riot best of is going live tomorrow. bookriot.com slash best of twenty fifteen. You'll see Rebecca and I tweeting about it. I'm sure you can find me on Twitter at the Jeff O'Neill O N E L. You can find her at Rebecca Shinsky R E B E C C A. I never do that first name. Since uh, Shinsky S C H I N S K Y. And that's our show. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.